Today on the Multiply Podcast, we're talking about the gospel and sexuality. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome back or welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. So glad you're with us, Dave. It's good to be back in the studio. 2019. Woo! Big year. You got any New Year's resolutions besides oh. loving and treating your co your co-host with more honor and respect? That's number one. Okay. Of course, of course. But number two, um, I've got to you know got to get back to the the six pack abs. And by get back, I, <laughs> I mean. I was gonna say. <laughs> let's be honest. Have you honestly ever had six pack six pack no, abs? No, I was close in high school, but no, <laughs> no. The old Barry bodies ain't meant to have a six pack. All right. The closest I probably ever was was at birth. gradual actually there was this little season of life i look back at i think i was like seventh or eighth grade and i got into taekwondo and um which is like a korean martial arts and uh, i lost a lot of weight i mean i was kind of a chubby kid and i lost a lot of weight and right around eighth and ninth grade there's pictures of me where i'm like uh i'm just really thin i don't even ever remember being that thin and then that lasted for about 10 days <laughs> oh boy and uh i don't have any ambitions for a six-pack but um as far as new year resolutions uh, one of the things i i, I want to do is um and this is a little more serious i was talking to my staff yesterday about this at the church i said i want to i want to be a more life-giving leader as it relates to one-on-one um conversations with people i want to be more intentional not long conversations but just i'll be one i want to be more intentional when i'm present with people in the church to speak into the lives of things that i see that god's placed in them and um so that's that's one of my um resolutions i'm not going to direct that towards you necessarily but towards others (laughs) i i'm eagerly awaiting some life to be spoken into me um during this podcast so the whole the whole world of listeners that we have is going to be holding you accountable to that. Jared, so. you have a six pack in you, just waiting to come. <laughs> it's out. down there. Unfortunately, right now it's a six pack of Diet Coke, but <laughs> it's covered up by a whole lot of other stuff. But it's down there. Yeah, no, man, it's great. That's a that's a great New Year's resolution, and um, uh, I, I'm for me, it is getting a little healthier, um, and then also both both physically and spiritually. I I, I really want to spend more time with with Jesus this year. Mm-hmm. Um, on a day-to-day basis and um, become a little more disciplined in that area. I think that's one of my my main goals. Yeah, that's good. That's a great one for all of us. And I would just say that, um, you know, New Year's resolutions, I don't know what the statistics are, but like what, 80% fail within the first month or so or something like that. I'm sure you could find a stat similar to that somewhere online. But uh, a lot of it comes down to having a plan and, um, and then actually um, – having a system and having some accountability. You know, that's why it's good to share, even though it feels ridiculous to share what you're aiming for. If you don't share it, um, there's less accountability. And then for me, creating a system where uh, every Sunday morning, I want to I want to go into that Sunday morning with one person in my mind that I want to um, go out of my way to find and have that conversation with. And so I think having a plan is a good deal, man. Yeah. Big yeah. part of it. Well, hey, um, it's good to. Um, I've been looking forward to recording another podcast with you. The last couple of weeks, we've had uh, Heath Adamson, good friend of ours, and we got some great feedback. And uh, today, we want to um, shift a little bit from leadership to discipleship. They're not that different from each other, but um, and specifically, uh, something I recently heard you talk about. We were at a leadership conference in Rochester, New York, and you and I actually shared a presentation time slot. I had like twenty five minutes, and you had like twenty five minutes. 
and I went first and uh, talked about self-awareness. I think you went over your time, no? Did you? <laughs> Which is really ironic in a talk on self-awareness. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, uh, and then your talk was called Gospel and Sexuality, which, if we're being honest, that's why everybody was in the room, just waiting uh, for Yeah, it. I mean, you throw sex in the title, and uh, you, know, you got the crowd there. Yep. Yeah. And uh, the feedback from your talk, I had a bunch of people from my church that were there, and uh, just great feedback. I know you got a couple invitations on the heels of that talk to share that in different environments with uh, single adults and in a youth ministry. And I've heard you give this talk before at a college conference in San Antonio, and the lens that you use to uh, look at um, issues of sexuality, uh, I, I think it's it's necessary, it's biblical, and it prevents us from maybe um, staying in the rhythms and the approaches to this conversation that we've had based on the church we grew up in, the home we grew up in, uh, in lots of different ways. And so um, today I thought, let's just take this podcast, and I'm probably going to need the next podcast really to unpack this and talk about the gospel and sexuality. And you had uh, three main points that day, and I think uh, today we're really going to just focus in on the first one. So why don't you hit us with the first big thought that you have on this topic, and we'll unpack it a little bit. Yeah, that sounds great. The first, um, So the first main thought is this. Sex is never about sex. And we're going to be talking in the context of discipling people in the area of sex and sexuality. But before we dive into that, I think it's important to have a, a bigger framework for how we view all of sin and, our, and the human struggle with, with sin in every area of our life. And um, one of the things that's been super helpful for me is I've um, really understood and discovered what it means to be gospel-fluent and gospel-centered in my life. It's changed the whole way that I view my struggle with sin. And where I used to think of it just being about fixing the bad things that I did, now I understand sin as something far different, where it's really a matter of worship. And I think as you look at the whole Old Testament, we see this example of the nation of Israel, right? They they were a nation who had been given an identity by God, and then their mission was to show that identity to the world, to reach the world. But their problem was that they started to worship idols, what was really happening is they were looking for an identity outside of what had been given to them mm. in other places, and that manifested itself in the worshiping of these idols. And what's really interesting is if you study some of the idols of the Old Testament, they're actually very similar to the stuff we worship now, right? Um, the reasons why they would have worshipped those idols were to get the same things that our hearts want today. So I think it's really indicative of the human heart, which is our problem when we think about sin and the struggle with sin is not primarily a behavior issue. Yeah. It's not about what we do and don't do. It's about what we love, what we worship. And when you think about Israel in the Old Testament, um, as you were talking, I just thought, you know, the, the, the connection between idolatry and identity, right? Because when Israel worshipped the gods of other peoples, they basically were taking on the identity of these people's groups, right? Yeah. So whether it was the Amalekites or the, uh, you know, the Philistines or whoever it was. So it wasn't just a, we will worship your gods. It is, we will um, identify with you, with your customs, with your culture, uh, with the way that you approach life and approach um, um religion and approach God. And so there is this, that's one of the big fears in the Old Testament. It's not just that Israel would worship other gods, but they would lose their unique identity as the people of God, right. who've been called to be a, a really a counterculture, uh, a nation within the nations um, to attract the other nations to the one true God. 
And that's really what's at risk here is that when we, um, when we are, uh, when our hearts are ruled by idolatry and we have a loss of identity, we also, and I know you talk a lot about this, we lose our mission. Yeah. And so when we talk about issues of sexuality, it's a lot more about like being bad versus being bad versus being good. It's about, are we living a life that, um, bears God's image well, but also fulfills the mission he's given to us as the church? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the framework we want to start with them. Actually, there's been some helpful resources that I've read and looked at, and there's a bunch of talk about these, but two that stick out to me, there's a book called Gospel Coach by Scott Thomas, and there's another author, author, forgive me for forgetting the name of that, but then there's a book called You Can Change by Tim Chester, which I highly recommend. And um, in those books, they, they identify four main idols, four root idols, of every human being. And one of the things that they, they say and others have said, and, and I actually totally agree with this, just my own self-assessment, is every single sin that you struggle with can be rooted back into one of these idols. So the manifestation, all of your behavioral sin, what you can identify and say, oh, I did that, I shouldn't have done that. That's just a symptom. But the root of that sin, the real issue in your heart that you need to fix is in one of these idols. And what you're doing is you're leveraging behavior, and this is where sex comes in. We will leverage certain behaviors to worship the idol that our heart most longs for. And this this will probably make a little more sense as we dive in. So there's four four idols. I'm gonna I'm gonna read these to you, Dave, mm-hmm. and then you you give us a little feedback on um, what maybe your, what yours is. Yeah. Well, I was actually gonna say how you struggle with each <laughs> one of these. That's I think what we really want to uh, hear. Boring. <laughs> So the first idol is power, right? And this is identified as a longing for influence or recognition. Hmm. A longing for influence or recognition. Oh, you want me just to go one at a time and I mean, re- just repent publicly? <laughs> give us, give us. Um, I was joking about you personally giving yeah. your own example, but what, what could this look like? Like, how, how, what well, is I mean, who struggles? You with know, this? when you hear the word power, you think of people who have position and influence, and you think of people maybe in the tops of governments and um, CEOs and tops of organizations, and people have a title next to their name. But I mean, power can be over anyone or anything. Power can be, um, you know, over um, just one other person in a relatively meaningless environment, and the need to exert your power over somebody in traffic, the need to exert your power over um, a child, uh, you know, your, your own child, the, the need to, um, well, I guess now we're going to, I'm talking more, more about control, but it's, it's really rooted in power too. So I think that that craving to be able to exert your force and your will yeah. over and against others. In that moment, you suddenly feel valid. Right, you suddenly feel like you have value and worth because yeah. you're reigning over somebody. Right. Well, and it's the sense of, and we see it in in sports, we see it in entertainment, uh, that need to 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 win, that drive to succeed, and just to physically, in some cases, in some sports, just be physically dominant yep. and have that sort of power. But power can also be an allure as far as uh, who we know. Right. Yep. So it's not just our own power, but it's the access to people in power. And one of the dangers maybe through in um, the American church today is the allure of political power, yep. that um, we lose our way and we drift from our mission because somebody uh, in politics has power. We want access to that power and we'll do and say whatever it takes to feel like we also have that power. Yeah. 
So that's the power idol, and we're gonna we're gonna talk in a moment about how these manifest when it when it comes to sex and sexuality, because that's really the main focus. But it's important just to hear the idols first. The next one is security or control, and this is identified as a longing to have everything go according to my plan. Now, this is um, I mean, this is number one on your idol list. I know that a hundred percent. I do I do struggle with this one for sure. As a as a leader, I I like to control the outcomes of things that I'm ultimately responsible for. I would love to control the behavior of people around me. Um, and as a dad, it's it's a big one, right? Parents would love to control the direction of their kids' lives and the people that they become. And man, contr- the lack of control brings out a lot of fear and anxiety in people's lives, which is always one of the indicators of what is your idol, mm. is what's your greatest fear, where do you get the most anxiety and worry, or what do you get the most anxiety and worry from? And so, um, and just the need for things to, to make sense yeah. and work out. And, and we should say that um, these, things, um, these things as sort of normal desires or in-check desires are not bad things. Because yeah. this desire actually can make somebody a great leader, a great manager, a great event coordinator and organizer. But when this desire is out of control, when it actually controls you— right. Then it, it it enslaves you, and you become a you be you be you become a worshiper of it. Yeah, yeah. That I we see this. My wife and I have these conversations about her her main idol is security or control, and we talk about how this this could sometimes just be the numbers on your bank account. Oh yeah, right. Like if that number is a little higher, all of a sudden it's like oh I feel safer, oh I feel less anxious. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a number on a screen, right? It's not even anything tangible you can hold. But for some reason, if that's lower. You feel out of control. You feel less safe. Well, when it comes to money, I talk a lot about spenders versus savers. And both spenders and savers look at each other like the other one is, is wrong. Um, but you can be a spender because what you really want is significance or approval, which I know we're going to get to in a moment, or even power. Your spending is a power issue. Yeah. Or you, but when you can be a saver because what your heart desires most is security. And so one person says, I have identity because of the things I can afford to buy. And the other one says, my identity is found in the security that I find and have an X amount of money in my bank account. But both people are using money to bring into their lives what Christ has ultimately provided and wants them to trust them, trust him for. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the next one is comfort. This is a longing for pleasure or a desire to avoid pain. Don't know what that's like. Actually, I think this is potentially one of the biggest idols for our young generation Hmm. today, which is you can see this manifested. This can be manifested in anything, right? So um, the overeating, so we don't want to we don't want to deal with the maybe there's pain in our life there's things that we're struggling so we'll we'll just eat well it could be the opposite of that it could be overworking out people that are obsessed with the gym and they're just they're there just to avoid the pain people that are workaholics it could be a lot of this yeah we see this in the church there's people that come and serve seven days a week in the church because they don't want to go home and deal with their marriage mm. which is falling apart wow you know and so. Anything, I think, that dulls the senses, right? Yeah. So this could be hours of mindless Netflix, video, I mean, video hours games. of video games. Right. This, this could be a lot of things that ultimately we are um, leveraging to keep ourselves from having to deal with real issues, with real, real pain, with real struggle. Um, you know, the ironic, the, one, of the, one, of the, one of the things I've, I've seen over time is that some of the things that people bring into their lives, hoping that it will provide them with comfort and escape, actually creates more chaos and stress. 
Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes the way these idols play together is um, you're chasing after something for approval, but then at the same time as you're gaining that, you're also losing a level of um, security because as you need their approval, your security is in their hands. You're not in control. Now you're losing control. So all these things are sort of like pulling on each other. And to chase one, you got to lose the other. And yeah. they all kind of interact that way. Yeah, it's so true. So comfort is uh, a longing for pleasure. And then the last one, this is my my number one idol, is approval. And this is a longing to be accepted or desired. Um, I think th- this one... This one resonates at the core of I think all of humanity, in us because we were made we were made to accept each other, right? The acceptance that we have in Christ is essential to our survival. Like, uh, if we don't have this, basically you you become a crazy person. Well, it's worth noting that Adam was lonely in the garden before the fall, right? So I think it's Tim Keller who says our need for friends and our need for meaningful community is not. Um, a result of sin it's actually a result of the perfection with which we bear the perfection of God's image right so so in the Christian faith we believe in a triune God the term is the Trinity God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit it's this great mystery but somehow God is one but also three in one and so he's eternally existed in relationship with himself so if we've been created in that image in fact in Genesis 1 when God says let us make man in our image it's it's that third person right and so because we've been created in his image and with that need for community, there's no escaping it. So again, we're, we're talking about something, the need for approval, which in and of itself, not only is it not evil, it's necessary and it's good, yeah. right? If you don't care what anyone thinks of you, you're a sociopath. But for everyone else, it's a good thing. But when a good thing becomes a ultimate thing or a God thing, you give it controlling power. And so these are the, the, can you just recap for us the four idols and then shift us a little bit towards how does this play itself out in issues of sexuality? Yeah, so the first one is power, a longing for influence or recognition. The next one is security or control, a longing to have everything go according to my plan. The next one is comfort, a longing for pleasure or the avoidance of pain. And then the last one is approval, a longing to be dis- accepted or desired. So um, so that's a framework, that's a healthy framework for viewing all of uh, sin in our life and all of our struggles in our life. But as we shift now specifically to sex and sexuality, this is really helpful um, to not only assess our own lives, but if we're in a discipling relationship to help somebody else work through some of their issues. And I would say in the area of sex and sexuality, there's more confusion now than than ever, or certainly in a long, long, long time. Um, uh, so let's. what I want to do, I think it would be helpful, is to take an example of sexual sin, and we'll use pornography because that's a pretty common example today, um, and we'll look at how pornography can actually manifest itself in every one of these idols. And here's why that's important. Because let's say a youth pastor or a senior pastor or you have a you have a, a child who comes to you and someone comes to you and they say, oh, man, I'm struggling with porn, right? How do we react? Well, typically what the response would be is, all right, well, uh, okay, let's take away your phone. Let's take away your computer. Let's put covenant eyes on there or some other sort of program. Um, let's create accountability partners, let's, right? And all that stuff is great. All that stuff is awesome. And, and I would actually say it's probably essential to helping them get over pornography. But it 
it actually doesn't really deal with the real issue that's happening the in issue. their heart. Yeah. So it, it changes their behavior, and, um, and, and maybe they actually will stop looking at porn, but I would argue that that heart idol, if it's not addressed and they don't understand that's really what's happening, it'll just manifest itself in some other way. Oh, yeah, for sure. And this happens a lot of times when you just deal with the what and not the why. Um, even if you put all the right things in place to basically not give somebody that option, lust is in the heart, sin is in the heart, and it will redirect itself in some other way for sure. And so um, true um, true growth, discipleship, right, is moving from belief, or sorry, moving from unbelief to belief in the gospel in every area of our lives, changing what we love and how we live. And so this, um, when we talk about discipling others in the areas of sexual struggles we need to be we need to apply that language to that this is a this is yeah. an unbelief to belief in the gospel issue right and you're helping people recognize why is why does this have such a pull on you right which is important because there's there's oftentimes in life it feels like I, I i don't know why i do this i don't know why this is so strong in my life why am i so tempted i don't understand so helping people understand why is this what is really pulling at your heart is so important Okay, so imagine you're dealing with somebody or counseling somebody or maybe you yourself and they're struggling with pornography. Um, one of the indicators, right, pornography is all about fantasy. So you're imagining yourself being in this situation. And so someone who has a power idol, oftentimes we think the draw of pornography or the temptation of pornography is just simply, um, I don't know if I can say this, but it's our podcast so I can, right? Just, oh, they're horny, right? It's just a biological response. But actually, I would argue in reality, it's their power idol. What is so drawing about it is their power idol. So for them, let's say it's pornography, they may tend to want to view more um, violent pornography, where uh, pornography where people are being dominated, people are reigning over other people, and that, for some reason, it brings more excitement to them. Why? Because they're imagining themselves being in that position, being in a place of power. And so the idol attached with the biological reactions that are happening in their body creates this draw and this temptation. And if we can help them understand the reason why there's such a draw for pornography is that it's easy access and you can imagine yourself fantasize about being in that situation. And in the moment, it almost feels like you're there. And so for those people, right, that draw is to have power and authority over others. And I think power gets off on exploiting those who don't have power, right? right. The defenseless, the voiceless. And um, in this specific example of pornography, that's exactly what you're dealing with. There's no um, live interaction. There's no feedback. There's no voice, essentially, other than what's scripted and what's already there. And so um, the power to say, um, I can use this and do with this as I will without any consideration for another human being's voice or concern, um, I think that really feeds into that need for power and leads us maybe also to another idol, which is the idol of control. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. Before we get into the control idol, I recently read an article and they were talking about the trend in pornography worldwide and how much more violent it's become. Mm. Like in the last, I don't, I can't remember the number of years, but say 10 to 20 years or something like that. And um, I, I, I thought it was interesting because I've been thinking about this podcast and this content and how, um, how that trend is happening and how many people, that is their power idol being manifested in a fantasy world. Um, all right, so that's power. Well, let's, and let me, th- let me say this too. I've already queued up control now, and now I'm 
we're dialing back on power, but that's fine because we're we have the power here. We we're, have the power. We're, we're in control. I think too when people feel a lack of power in other areas of their lives where they feel powerless, like right. So if you work a job where you feel like your boss doesn't listen to you, or you're in a relationship where you feel like you don't you can't exert any power, then this kind of becomes almost an escape for you, a place to find power because it's lacking. And so paying attention even to not just are we is someone using pornography for power but what are the other areas in our lives where we crave power we're not getting it and if that's true we're going to go look for it somewhere else whether it means coming home and kicking the dog or coming home and yelling at your kids or yelling at people in traffic you don't have to give all the examples from your life <laughs> we don't have a dog so jokes on you oh. um but those are all ways in which when we don't get it met somewhere else maybe we'll direct it into another unhealthy place yeah that's really good um, all right, let's shift over to uh, control or security, that, that idol. Um, this could look, again, in pornography, it's a fantasy world. Oftentimes in, in real relationships, you would see this, right, where women would stay in terrible, abusive relationships. Why? Because there's a sense of security or they would give give their bodies up as uh, uh, and do, th- do stuff, <clears throat> maybe physically, that originally they said, no, nah, I'm never going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay pure. I'm going to do this. And then they end up going there. Why? Because there's this draw, there's sense of security. But it can happen with both men and women. I think mm-hmm. in the context of pornography, if we're using that as an example, again, it's the fantasy world of feeling like, and this is why I actually believe a lot of, you, you've seen a major increase in female viewership of pornography. Like it's no longer a male issue. It's, it's both. And I think a big part of that is that, that fantasy of security, of someone um, someone taking care of you, knowing that you're safe, knowing that you have this connection where you don't have to worry about it. And it's, so it's in this mind, it's in this fantasy realm, and you're imagining yourself being in this type of situation. And it's so drawing to the heart because it's, it's what you think you need to be set free and to be happy and all that. Yeah, and I think maybe there is a sense of safety in pornography in that you don't have to deal with the mess of real relationship. And if you've had bad relationships or you've had bad experiences, maybe this feels like a safer avenue for sexual release and expression. And so certainly that can play into the need for security. And as it relates to control, um, I mean, I think with pornography, you literally are in control of your experience, right? You control uh, if you're watching something uh, on your computer, on your phone, like you control um, pausing, rewinding, like all that sort of stuff. Like there is so much control over your experience that you don't get in real life, meaningful uh, interaction with other people. And um, I think it it can really become you can become a slave to that. Like I just I don't just want a sexual experience, but I want one that I'm a hundred percent in control of. Yeah. And the shortcut to it is going to be through uh, pornography. Yeah, and like you said last time with the power idol, if you're not getting that in your everyday life, right. How much more of a draw is this fantasy world? Yep, true of security and control. Right, yep. absolutely. Okay, let's go on to the next one, which is comfort. This one's actually pretty easy to identify. Um, this this happens a lot. If you've ever um, dealt with pornography yourself or you've counseled someone or discipling someone that deals with pornography, oftentimes discussion, um, there'll be people who will, will share that they've spent countless hours Right. I mean, I've had I've had conversations with young men who have you're talking 10 hours straight or something crazy right on pornography, just like all consuming. Mm. And um, this I oftentimes think is the comfort idol, which is a big issue with our young people, which is we want to avoid pain. We want to avoid the situations in our life that are um, uh, uncomfortable. 
So we just dole ourselves and we numb ourselves that we don't have to experience that or feel that. And we do that through pornography pornography or through um, someone who would be like uh, a sex addict or something like that. This was, this is what they're doing, right? It's this momentary escape into this fantasy world where I no longer have to be in reality and, and I'll spend all this time there. And really what they're doing is worshiping their comfort idol. And it has such a draw on it because in that moment they feel like they're free. Um, But of course we know it doesn't last. So what you're saying is there's almost like an escapism aspect to this. Like this is an escape from reality, a doling of the senses, and um, just sort of um, finding a way to make myself experience comfort and pleasure um, and get to forget for a moment some of the real issues in my life or the things around me, the things that aren't so great. And I think, you know, with, with, with this particular heart idol of comfort, there's so many things. Like I know the topic is gospel and sexuality, but it— I just want to make sure we we pull back for a second and go 30,000 feet in the air and say this can be food, right? Yeah. This can be a binge-watching Netflix. This can be mindlessly surfing the Internet. Uh, this Exercise. can be social media use. Yeah. I mean, I can't relate to that one, but I guess it's possible. No, but we all know, we all know those people, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think that— Drugs, alcohol. Right. Anything that sort of allow—and I think there's something about our society today that says if it— inconveniences you or causes you discomfort, then just get rid of it. Avoid it. Right. Go somewhere else. And yeah. and that applies to so many choices that people make about their bodies, so many choices that people make about how they live their lives. And um, for much of the world, suffering and struggle is just a constant. You know, much of the world, third world countries especially, yeah. they just learn like this is normative. But in America, we're, we're, we've done a really good job of distancing ourselves from it, sort of numbing ourselves from it. And so this, this idol of comfort, of course, manifests itself um, in our sexuality. But just to speak briefly to the broader aspect, lots of different right. ways. Yeah. And you just said that other cultures realize it's normative. And I would say past generations had a sense not only that it's normative, but it's formative, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is actually important in shaping who I am. Today, that's all but gone. That's good. There's no sense that, you know what, if I, if I don't partake in this, temporary pleasure or temporary comfort it'll actually be better for me in the long run that concept is <laughs> is really hard to find uh in people today and yeah. especially young people which i think is why this this idol is a really big deal good good and what's the last one last one is approval approval well this is all you so this you is, take it all sit back oh man yeah this <laughs> is my uh this is my struggle my idol of choice for sure and um this is really Again, if we're using pornography as an example, you're imagining yourself in the scenario. You're fantasizing about getting the approval. So if you're a guy, maybe you're you're fantasizing about having the approval of these women. You're wanted. You're desired. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really, really where the draw comes from. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, this is a big part of it. So as you mentioned before, people that are not, they're lacking that in their life. This becomes even more difficult because it's so easy to access and it's so easy to just escape to that place in your mind. Um, this We can't just say, I'm going to just not need people's approval anymore. I'm just not going to care what people think about me. You know, that's right. kind of like the advice we give to our kids when they come home and they feel bad because someone didn't play with them. Well, forget what they think. Well, yeah, good luck. You know I mean? How does that work yeah. for the rest of your life? So what do we do? And I know that in the next episode we'll talk a little more about how do we approach these things. But ultimately you, can't, you cannot just push down this need for approval. You have to direct it 
towards someone or something that can actually satisfy you and free you to have meaningful, healthy relationships with other people where you're not using them for approval, but you are finding, um, you are bearing God's image in those relationships by having those meaningful, caring, um, life-giving relationships. And if there's one thing that pornography is not, it's not a life-giving relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. We're, we're looking forward to getting to the next episode where we'll dive into these deeper. And um, I would echo what you said is actually all these idols can be beneficial, not when they're idols, but when they're used in a healthy way. Right? Sure. Power, security, comfort, um, and approval are all um, can be positive things, but it's when they become the ultimate thing. And knowing this, here's the first step, is knowing that they do become the ultimate things in our heart, and that's really the source of our sin is essential in overcoming and um, working beyond these struggles and becoming more Christ-like. So if number one, for yourself as an individual knowing this, and then secondly, knowing this and how we disciple others is huge. And in the next episode, you're going to actually, I think your second point is the idea that all of us need healing. And so we've talked specifically about pornography, but um, and you hinted at this, I think, in this episode, uh, but even in um, a committed marriage between people that love each other and are serving God, um, there can be ways in which we still really struggle with idolatry and identity as it relates to the way we express our sexuality towards our spouse. And I think um, sometimes when you hear topics like this, you immediately think of people who sin differently than you when it comes to sexuality, and you think, boy, this is really good for them. And the truth is, uh, this is good for all of us. Yeah. And we need these reminders, and this is an area of life that we need to continue to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm going to share, actually, uh, when this became real to me in my own life, and I, I'm a heterosexual married guy for 13 years now. So it definitely, this this is a game changer for everybody. And then we'll end the podcast, too, next week, um, talking about how the gospel, how do we preach the gospel to our own hearts, and then how do we share it in other people's hearts in a discipling way that helps them actually Um, move past these idols and recognize them for what they are that's good all right before we close down the favorite part of everyone's uh podcast is uh, a little portion we'd like to call david's eats where we find out from dave what's the best thing Mm. he's eaten and and you've had some time here because um heath was the last two episodes so and you came off the holidays man man i ate so much good food we had uh, pastrami from cat's deli we uh, we had a lot of sushi and and, and seafood at uh, at uh, oh a guy in our church a guy in my church brought some um, stone crab claws all the way from Florida but I got to say the best thing I think I've eaten recently was made by a family in our church a Guyanese couple Joel and Alicia here's a little shout oh. out to you guys oh baby. they made us some goat curry with I, I forget I don't know what the bread's called um, it's not quite a naan it's like a flat bread it's a little bit um, flaky but it's not it's i don't know how to describe it but it's amazing yeah the go curry and i know that you and jen have had it also it's like the i don't know how they do it but the spice level is perfect the texture of the goat um the vegetables that are in there it's just it's amazing and uh so i love that family and uh, even if they didn't ever give me goat curry i would love them but that goat curry just pushes them over the top so god bless you joel and alicia (laughs) Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time on the Multiply Podcast.